Welcome inside the bubble. Mike and Micah here with you to break down the first two games. And since we are recording this when the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets are playing the first three games from that series, uh, Utah is already up 30 and it's, they're entering the fourth quarter. So we know that Utah is now up two to one. But we're going to be breaking down each and every series from the first couple of games. It's been a fun start to the bubble. I mean, Micah and I have been talking about it, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, Micah. But we said that we thought maybe playoff ba- uh, basketball could take a step back because regular season and the seeding games, yeah, we were just excited to have basketball back. But there was kind of a nervousness that came with, well, are we going to get that playoff atmosphere? Atmosphere Is it going to feel like it's a step up to what the seeding games were? And at least for me so far, I felt a step up. It's not as obviously as drastic as when you have the fans in there and – they're going crazy for a seven-game series. No, it's not that. But it's not too far off for that for me. But, Micah, how have you perceived the first um, couple of games in the in the playoffs so far? So, and like you said, it's not necessarily the same as it would be if there was a home court advantage or fans or, you know, the, the thing that always kind of makes the NBA playoffs uh, magical, which is just a home – you know, it's the atmosphere. There's no true, like, typical atmosphere, but – the competitiveness in the bubble is some of the best basketball I've seen and maybe ever as far as just, like, you can get a lot of, I would consider them maybe mid-tier, the low-level guys playing the absolute best because whatever it's keeping them, like, maybe it's a crowd thing, maybe it's, you know, other factors, it's not happening in a bubble. It's just you have to go out there and hoop every single night. And the only way, that's the only way you want to advance. Um, to, You know, things that help teams in the bubble, I mean, excuse me, that teams, uh, things that help teams outside of the bubble are not helping them in the bubble. And it's just, it's really interesting to see, like, it's really good basketball, and I'm happy with what's going on. I like the product. It's it's really unpredictable, which I think is the best thing you can have for a tournament. It's just unpredictability. It's going to bring ratings, uh, kind of like the ECAA tournament. And, I mean, I just like this going forward. I can't wait to see who goes on to the next round. Yeah, so that's that's where I want to start with the advantage. Obviously, the thing you fight for in the regular season is home court advantage. And we've seen that that has caused a kind of an issue with teams that have a higher seed. We saw both number one, uh, number one seeds in the Eastern and Western Conference lose their first round matchup. Uh, lose, lose their first game, I mean. Mm-hmm. The Lakers and the Bucks. I, I want to start on the Western Conference. We'll go through West and then we'll tra- transition, transition to the East. So we'll start with the Lakers and the Blazers. LeBron had a great first game, triple-double, first player to ever do 2015 and 15, um, but they lost. Damian Lillard and the Blazers had just been playing better. They have been playing playoffs games since they got into the bubble, and we saw the difference. The Lakers weren't ready for the playoff atmosphere. They weren't ready for the playoff intensity, and they weren't able to close that out in the clutch moments. Then we go to game two when it's obvious that the Lakers were like, okay, we have to wake up. The, the playoffs have started. We have to start making our shots. They came out and were able to dominate the Blazers from the first quarter yesterday. LeBron only had 10 points, but 81 off the 30. So now the series is 1-1. Micah, what are you expecting from the rest of the series? Are you seeing maybe the Blazers could potentially punch back in a game three or game four? Or do you see that this is what starts the Lakers roll? They're good. They got it. Lakers are five. So actually what I do expect is what you actually said. Um, I expect the Blazers to punch back in a game three, but I still expect the Lakers to take this series. Um, I think when we first talked about it and did the preview, I had this series going to six and seven, and I think that's, you know, it's going to stay on uh, on par and on course. 
I think the one thing is, and I'll kind of put this out there as kind of like a qualifier, if the Blazers come out here and lose game three, then they probably lose in five. Um, the momentum you just need. Um, if the Lakers start getting that, especially as a team, they can, I feel like they're really based in like their rhythm and, and what's working for them. If they find out, you know, a way to beat this Blazers team and be, you know, shut them down on the perimeter, you know, while still being like aggressive on offense and things like that, then the Lakers will probably win in five. But as far as what I'm expecting, I'm expecting the Blazers to come right back at them. Um, the Lakers are a team who's been pretty inconsistent while the Blazers have been consistent. This is the worst the Blazers have looked in maybe the last two weeks. And I think they have the ability to pick it back up. So I would expect them to win game three. And I would expect the series to go back to six and seven. But I still expect the Lakers to win it all. I mean, it's not winning all, win the series, I should say. Yeah, so I do expect the Lakers to win the series. I, I would have expected the Blazers to punch back in game three. I know Damian Lillard said he's good to go. He's definitely. But a dislocated finger is something that does cause an issue. You're going to have a situation where it is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. So seeing how Dame is able to take it in the first couple of uh, minutes of that game three is going to determine how it is. I mean, LeBron really hasn't turned up and taken over. It's just been he was he's he's been pretty passive. Yeah, he's been pretty passive, and he hasn't turned it up. So obviously the Lakers are going to win the series. If Dame was 100% healthy, I think it's a little bit more competitive because, I mean, the Blazers just had their worst shooting performance in months. Mm-hmm. It was nothing else than the Blazers were getting the same exact shots that they usually get. They just weren't able to hit them. And I think that's the main thing with um, – with that game, too. I don't want to look much into it and overreact each game. I did think it would be a relatively competitive series, and I'll stick with that, but we have to make sure that Dame is ready to go. Moving on from that series, let's go to Clippers and Mavs, 2-7. When we talked about this uh, before the playoffs started, Micah, I was very close to picking the Mavericks to win this series. I said I end up saying Clippers in seven. At this point... I think I may want to go ahead and switch to Mavs in seven. I, obviously, everybody still has the Clippers and not overreacting or anything. But to me, the Mavericks should be up 2-0 in the series. If Porzingis didn't get ejected in game one, I don't see the Clippers winning that game. Paul George, playoff P, uh, he wasn't, wasn't very good, uh, <laughs> wasn't very good uh, last night uh, or t- two nights ago. Um, wasn't able to produce like he... He, he per- perceives himself to when he's in the playoffs. Kawhi was very, eh. They didn't have Patrick Beverly, which is, I guess, a huge loss for them. But the Mavericks dominated them from the beginning. The Mavericks knew exactly how they wanted to attack him. They give it to Luka. They give it to Porzingis. Both of them went off, and they got production from everywhere. Seth Curry, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., Boban even. Like, everybody was able to produce. I think this series is going long and I think that the Mavericks are in a spot where they are not afraid of the Clippers at all. And, I mean, I wouldn't be as, after seeing what the Clippers have done uh, in the seeding games and coming into the playoffs. So, Michael, where do you stand right now with this series? I really think that – and I, I still think the Clippers will take it. You know, I think they'll win this series. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think I kind of gave them the same qualifier as the Lakers, uh, Lakers and Blazers series was like, okay, 6-7 is – it's probably a little bit more realistic than, you know, them winning in five. And honestly, I think this goes – I think this goes to seven at this point. Um, What I didn't expect, and maybe it was just me overlooking uh the Mavs roster, was guys like – I mean, yes, not on a great percentage, but Tim Hardaway making threes. Uh, You know, Porzingis. I mean, Porzingis is always going to have the stats, but I didn't expect him to step up the way he has. 
Um, and it's really just for them. It's kind of been a group effort. They're getting a lot of points off the bench. Um, I overlooked Seth Curry. Um, I, I really overlooked Boban. I mean, I, I knew he's there and he's always there. But to see him in action and see the element he gives his team, it's 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 almost like a two headed you know monster at center at the five. He position. He, he dominated uh, Montrez Harrell in exactly. the minutes that he played. And, He's able to get a little bunny like getting offensive rebounds, almost a double double mm-hmm. for somebody that barely like plays games. Exactly, Boban played ten minutes and his production was amazing. He was thirteen and nine that last game, and especially going against somebody considered who's probably going to win the sixth man of the year. That's amazing if you have somebody and negate somebody like that. You know, you have a great chance to win. Guys like Trey Burke, who, I mean, Trey Burke's been everywhere, and he's always been scoring, but scoring at this time, you know, going 7-11 off the bench in 18 minutes. 16 points in 18 minutes is beautiful in the playoffs. That's efficiency at its best. So the Mavericks have the formula. It's just about are they going to be consistent as a team to beat the Clippers? I don't know. I personally would take the veteran, you know, kind of, I guess, aspect that the Clippers have over them. Um, I think it'll go to 7 um, but it's not necessarily a knock on the Mavs. The Mavs, are, as a seven seed, are like one of those false, like, low-tier six, seven, eight seeds where, like, this team literally makes two more moves. They're in a, a top three seed, top four seed going forward. Um, Luka's going to do his thing every night. That's We know how that goes. He is a superstar right now in his second year. So, I mean, I still think the Clippers kind of edge it out in seven, but it's really going to be closer than I expected, and I really expect this to be one of the better series. I, I didn't think it would be coming in, but, hey, we're here now. And that's the thing where you said it's a young team. Are you going to be able to get this production from your bench and, uh, and your non-superstars each and every game? Obviously not. And that's where Luca and Porzingis had to be able to pick up the slack for them. They've been amazing these first two games before Porzingis obviously got ejected game mm-hmm. one. But if they can continue on this trajectory where they can go ahead and give you 20 and 10 or 30 points from Luca, and you just get – everybody was on for the Mavericks game and they were able to essentially blow the Clippers out. Like the score looks a lot closer than the game actually was. They dominated. But if you get, okay, you get Seth Curry and Hardaway this game, or you get Boban this game. Like if you're able to get a combination of all of those, you can maybe eke out a game or two here. And this is the game that game three, it's going to be very pivotal that Kawhi and PG have to take over because even though they won game one and they ended up dominating that, end of third quarter, fourth quarter, the Mavericks were, with the, were without their best players. And Luka was in foul trouble game two. So in a lot of people's minds, the Clippers have not dominated the Mavericks at any point. It, they started off game one on like an 18-2 to two run. Mavericks erased that immediately. <laughs> and it was a game all over again. So this is an important game for Kawhi and PG because if you're struggling with the Mavs, uh, your next series, whether it be Utah or whether it be Denver, we'll get to that. That's the, a next that's step up for them. That, yeah. That's the next step up. And if you're already struggling in round one, it's going to be a problem uh, going forward. Moving on, let's go to the 36. So I've been a big proponent of the Denver Nuggets. I, I said I like them a lot, uh, potentially coming out of the West, depending on how the Lakers look. They won game one in an amazing fashion. Jamal Murray, Jokic went off. Lost game two, got blown out. And again, lost game three, blown out by 30 points. This series now, obviously, game four is a very pivotal game. If you can make it a 2-2 series, it's back to anybody's game. But the way that the Nuggets have looked, it comes down to this question of youth versus experience. Before the playoffs started, we said this is a pivotal playoffs for the Utah Jazz. If the Jazz were able to look good in this playoffs, advance to maybe a Western Conference Finals, this is a team that you keep together. 
if they didn't, obviously you want to blow everything up because at this point there's nothing there's nothing more that you can nothing more that you can do yeah, because you can't, can't get out of, can't get nothing out of them. The West is the West is going to be even more loaded next year. The Jazz of our, are obviously off for the up for the task. Donovan Mitchell has looked amazing. Rudy Gobert has looked amazing. Mike Conley came back with 25 points. I don't know his final stats, but the last time I checked, he had uh, 25 points. So the Utah Jazz are up 2-1 now. And the Nuggets, it's young team. Jamal Murray, uh, Jokic, MPJ. Like, MPJ has not been very aggressive in the playoffs, and I think that's maybe just he's a young guy trying to get it going, trying to figure out how he fits into the system. And it's a team that only had eight games to start going. I still think they're very, very good and could, if they get it together, can still easily win the series. But now game four obviously is a must win. And the Jazz are feeling themselves the way they've played uh, these first three games, really, because they could have won uh, game one, too. But, Michael, what have you seen from this Jazz Nuggets series? It's a veteran team playing with urgency versus a young team that hasn't been there before. It's kind of what we talked about, and it's kind of playing out. But um, I sort of, you know, coming into this, I thought the Nuggets' talent would be able to prevail over the guys because they're way more talented than the team. The Nuggets go 10 deep, without a doubt. Like, you, you could put a combination of 10 players out there, maybe 11 on a good night, and you're going to get, like, starter level, like, you know, you know, starter quality, starter level talent and play out of them. But um, this is a team that's just playing. It is like a young team right now, bro. I mean – Michael Porter Jr., he's not being super aggressive. Like you said, he's trying to find his – it looks like he's almost trying to find his flow in the offense while not trying to disrupt anything, which, yep. honestly, I would rather him just kind of just go all out. But disrupt least, it. You're the best, yeah, you're the, he's the best it. offensive player there. Yeah, you, you're the best pure scorer out there. Like, go do your thing. But it's his first time out there. I guess he's not trying to step on toes or whatever, but, you know, whatever that is. Um, Jokic not having the best, you know, I guess we're talking about the game now and kind of going forward. The last two games haven't been amazing from him, but that could also be turned around. And Jamal Murray, after kind of going back and forth, uh, demissed that first game, that's kind of cooled off from, I guess, from, the, um, you know, from field goal. And he's kind of not necessarily hitting all the shots he can. They're really, I mean, I guess, I guess their issue is they're not really getting much out of their bench. Um, and they're not really just scoring as well as they should be, uh, they're kind of hitting a little cold streak, which is not good, especially, you know, there's no home court advantage like we mentioned. So hitting a cold streak in a bubble is really hitting a cold streak. It's not going to go, you know, it's not going to be anything to, to boost you up besides playing well. So um, when a team like the Jazz starts getting their, you know, starts getting everything rolling and you got guys like Mike Conley coming out here who is not really an explosive player, is shooting efficient. And you got guys like Rudy Gobert, you know, sticking it to Jokic and D. Mitch is going to score. Even if it's on a bad, you know, a bad clip, he's going to score. Then you're starting to see a little bit of trouble. If Jordan Clarkson keeps coming and gets 13 points off the bench or 11 points or 10 points, then that's uh, one of the key things that the Nuggets, I feel like, aren't going to be able to account for right now. Nuggets have to win the next game. If not, I think the Jazz take it in six. Once again, it's not one of those things that's indicative of the Nuggets. They're the future, and the Jazz are, I guess you can consider them the now. Um Either way, even if the let's say the Nuggets win this series and and advance, I don't know if they get out the next round at this point, regardless of who they play. Um, it's just one of those things. I don't think they're necessarily ready, you know, mentally to take that next step. Um, the Jazz, on the other hand, if they win this and they face the Clippers, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But I guess we'll talk about that going forward. But uh, I think I do think the Jazz take this series now. Uh, it's probably going to be in six, just because of the way the series is projected. Yeah. Um, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna hold out hope for the Nuggets. See, they figure everything out. Uh, 
I think I had either Nuggets and six or Nuggets and seven. So I'll mm-hmm. stick with that. With, with that prediction, yeah, seven. I think it's seven. Yeah, so I'll stick with that prediction. Hopefully, they'll be able to extend um, in this series out. But if they want to be able to go, you have to let Michael. You have to unleash Michael Porter. Um, oh yeah. And I, I don't even think that, like they're like, oh, don't shoot. He's just very hesitant. Like watching today's game, he was just like, ah, I'll pass it here. I, I, I the last time I checked, he was three for five from the field. And it's yeah. just like, I mean, you're shooting amazing. Like, why not get it up to 10, 12 shots, even 15 for the type of player you are? But we'll see how the Nuggets uh, fare in their next game. And we already have a full two-game sample size. Uh, a full, I mean, three-game sample size mm-hmm. for them. And then in uh, a matchup that I think almost everybody thought would be the complete opposite way with uh, what the Rockets were going through, 4-5, Thunder 4, Rockets 5, without Russell Westbrook, uh, and James Harden in game two did not play good at all. The Rockets are surprisingly up 2-0 over the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's not surprisingly because the Rockets, if Russell Westbrook was playing, everybody would have had them winning the series. But because you don't have your second superstar and the Thunder were at full strength and played well in the seeding games, mm-hmm. this is kind of surprising how they're down 2-0 with potentially – in the next two games or so, probably even not. If the Rockets were like, hey, we can win without him. Let's just keep resting Russ. What do you see from OKC these next couple of games? And is there any chance that they could fight back into the series? Honestly, from them, it's explosive scoring. And that's literally it for the Thunder. I think the Thunder play great basketball. And, I mean, if you look at the team stats and everything, technically they're doing everything better than the Rockets. They're just not, you know, exploding as far as shots go, like, they're not getting as many shots as the Rockets. They're not taking as many three-pointers. Um, but everything else, I mean, percentage-wise, they're outmatching them. Rebounds, they're outmatching them. Free-throw percentage, I mean, even though it was close last game, it was basically just the difference of one free-throw or two free-throws, I should say. They still outmatched them. So, I mean, if the Thunder could get somebody just to score over 20 points along with, let's say, CB3 scores it or Shy scores it, if they could just have another 20-point scorer, then I think they start giving the Rockets bump. But right now, there's a clear gap here. You're going to have, what, three, four players over double digits. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder, you know, coming off the bench being a sixth man, he has to step up. Um, but other than that, they just don't have the scoring to necessarily match what the Rockets do. The Rockets, they're going to score. They're going to score over 106 every game. That's a guarantee. Even if they're cold, they're going to find a way to get there. Either it's, you know, drawing fouls with Harden or just taking a ridiculous amount of threes. They took 56 threes last night. <laughs> or, the yeah, I mean, the night before, whenever they played, it took 56 threes again. It's just what they do. They're going to put up a lot of shots because that means a lot of shots are going to fall. Um, if that's what analytics says and if that's what analytics means, then okay. Um, it's not a recipe for winning a championship, but it's a recipe to win the first round. So, I mean, it's working right now. Um, and considering that Russ will probably come back soon, I'm presuming, then that's just kind of the icing on the cake. Um, and it's not one of those things where the Thunder are playing bad. It's just they're getting outmatched. So this is this is the true definition of uh, a vet, like the vet team versus the young team. And the young team just is – they need, Thunder needed home, like, fans. Yeah, they need To just fans. keep them pushing. Um, we saw the good and the bad of the Rockets and why – I don't think they can ever win a championship the way they're constructed because at one point in uh, game two, they missed 15 straight yep, threes. It was one of those one of those things. Unfortunately, um, they weren't able to 
the Thunder weren't able to uh, capitalize on that. And I think that's something that it's a young team where you're not able to like step on the throats. Like if it's a Lakers team or a Clippers team that you're missing 15 straight threes on, you're losing that game. We saw it. The Rockets were crushing Golden State, about to go to the NBA Finals. And then they missed 20-something straight threes. And Golden State was able to capitalize on that. So they haven't been able to capitalize on the Rockets' mistakes. And then they have Adams, and they haven't used Adams as somebody that can mm-hmm. basically switch up like the Rockets' style for them. Because he's not dominating down low in the post. So then they're playing the Rockets' style. And if a team decides to play the Rockets' style, you're going to lose each and every game. So I'm, I'll, I'll look for a little bit more uh, size, a little bit more length, a slower pace of a game with the Thunder. But at this point, the series is over. Because if you win the next game, then I'll, I'll presume Russ comes back. Because he wasn't supposed to be out the whole series, they said, the mm-hmm. first couple of games. I would presume Russ comes back game four. That brings an extra uh, extra energy to the floor. And being down 2-0, it's going to be really tough uh, to try to bounce back from it. But Thunder are a super young team. Um, they weren't supposed to be here in the first place, and that's just, that's just something that you have to go through as a young team <clears throat> in a stacked conference. You're just going to have to get through it and see what happens. But if they go out in six, it'll be it should be even though obviously they want to they won't be happy because everybody thought they could win without Russ. If they go out in six, it, it's a pretty good season. You were able to bounce back from down two zero and win two games. You got to you got to give yourself um, a pat on the back. Moving on to the Eastern Conference, so we had. The Milwaukee Bucks, they lost their first game to the Orlando Magic, then came back, similar to the Lakers, and blew out the Magic in game two. One thing I do want to mention, and I talked about this in our group chat last night, the reason Giannis is going to leave the Bucks is because of Chris Middleton. <laughs> yes, he is. Chris Middleton had two points in the blowout win. This is supposed to be the second All-Star, the the guy that's supposed to be the one-two punch with Giannis, in a playoff game, he had two points. And it's not because he didn't shoot. He was, he was missing shots. And you can't expect them to go ahead and beat a Miami Heat team or beat a Boston Celtics team if Giannis is the only person there. And if Giannis is the only person, all you have to do is focus in on him. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about the three-point line because Middleton isn't going to hit anything. So you could stack up the paint, and then Giannis becomes he's a person that won't be able to maneuver. He won't be able to... Uh, once he gets it to the lane, he's not going to be able to kick it out because so, so many people are there uh, attacking the ball. And he just becomes a bigger problem. Last game, thankfully, he had Brooke Lopez. Uh, he had uh, Pat Connison, uh, DiVincenzo, Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. All of those guys were able to come together and uh, hit shots. But if the Bucks want to go far, Middleton has to be that number two. And right now, he's just not playing like the number two. So what do you expect from what have you seen so far from this Bucks series, and what do you need like Middleton to be able to do for the Bucks to potentially win the finals? Middleton, please just get the twenty points. <laughs> if you get the twenty points, Giannis will handle the rest. Literally, he. Oh my God, the Bucks are so lucky that Brook Lopez has been kind of on his game recently. And I mean, eight of twelve and four of eight from three is not realistic. Brook Lopez is not a three and D player. He will never go four of eight usually again. So let's see, like 50% from Brook Lopez from three is absolutely ridiculous. That's a career game for him. Um, yep. Eric Bledsoe, he's going to play his game. He's not going to score a lot, but him getting, you know, buckets and playing good defense, that's fine for them. Um, I mean, the rest of us, I mean, luckily Pat Collins in the side, he has the clip and all he took, he only made three-point shots in that yep. one, which is honestly pretty important because if he didn't do that, 
it would have been one of those. It would I don't know if they would have lost, but it would have been a lot closer again. And it would have been one of those things where like, okay, the Bucks really don't look good. Middleton, ha- I mean, dude, you're an all star. Put the ball in the cup, bro. Do what you do. I mean, you're apparently you're an all star over Bradley Beal. So let's let's see some scoring. I, that's 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 what I was about to say. It's like that's what like makes me the most mad. This guy was picked as an all star over Bradley Beal. Look, if you if you do the if you do the mathematics on how all NBA is going, a lot of people would have him over Bradley Beal for all NBA, and he scored two points in a game in a playoff in game. A playoff after game. you're down, you're you're down in the series, and that's what you do. Two points, like it's it's ridiculous. And I mean, it's honest. It's the reason why Giannis is going to leave. It's the reason why uh, uh, LeBron ended up leaving because mm-hmm. he didn't have a, a true number two in Cleveland. He was dragging people across the finish line, but didn't have enough firepower to take him over. And if the Bucks want to be a mid-market that keeps their star, and we've seen Oklahoma City wasn't able to do it, uh, Cleveland wasn't able to do it, if Milwaukee wants to be able to do it, you got to be able to get the right guys in place for him. Yeah, and I mean, man, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep pushing it, Giannis to the, you know, Giannis to the Mavs eventually when we get when we get to that time, because at least you know there you have Luca, at least you know there you don't have to be on. A thousand percent all the time. Um, I guess just touching on the magic real quick. Well, there's not much to touch on besides um, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, shout out to you. You just keep doing your thing. Um, his bag has always been there. His game has always been there. The matches are just overmatched. I really wish they had Mo Bamba and um, and Isaac out there just because like it, it just would have been more firepower for them, and they possibly could have gave you know the Bucks a, a true run for their money. Winning that first game was that was just the Bucks being bad and. Losing that game the other, you know, the other night just kind of shows what they really are. This team's kind of overmatched, which is fine. They had an eight seed. It wasn't to be expected. Honestly, the Bucks should have swept them. But I think the Bucks get this in five. But, I mean, Middleton, bro, it's – don't be that guy. Don't be the reason a generational talent in a Hall of Famer has to leave. Because it will happen. It's happened yeah. in due history. It's happened to the Bucks too. So, like, let's, let's just make this happen, please. Yeah, and unfortunately – if he's not able to pick it up, the Bucks won't be going far. Oh, they're, um, they're out next round. <laughs> they're not going far this year at all if he's not able to uh, pick it up and help Giannis space the floor. Um, not much I have on Raptors Nets. I mean, to be honest, I, I watched maybe a total of four quarters in that game. Um, You're not missing much, bro. It's Yeah, Nets, are, Nets. Yeah. Raptors Nets are uh, kept it close in game two, and I watched the third, four, third and fourth quarter of that game. They spilled it all over themselves, but Without your two superstars, what do you expect? Up to uh, Raptors are going to sweep this series. Got anything on this, Michael? Hey, um, no, not really. I mean, Raptors just get to the next round. You're going to either see you're you're not either going to see you're going to end up seeing Boston. But I guess we're going to talk about them next. Yep. So that that's going to do it for uh, the Nets. Thanks for coming out. And next year, you're probably the number one seed in the East. So sure. I would even I, I would even be mad this season. Like as a Wizards fan. It's like, yeah, we didn't make the playoffs, but hey, we'll be back in the playoffs next year with our with our two All Stars uh, coming back at full strength. Moving on from them, let's go to that three six matchup: the Celtics and the Sixers. I'm so happy. <laughs> I am so happy. Two weeks ago, I said, you know what? I am done with this team. I am done with the Sixers. I'm done with all the experiments. It's over. You paid Tobias Harris. You paid uh, Horford. You play, paid all of them for what? To get swept by. Jason Tatum, who you could have drafted. Who you could have drafted, but you decided to go Markel Fultz, and we saw what happened with that. So it's a wrap for it's a wrap for the Sixers, and I think you have to trade one of them. Uh, 
they look like uninspired in a team that's not willing to really play any type of basketball or anything. And they want to go home. And that's all I got on the Sixers. Michael? Yeah, I mean, they're just not built for it, honestly. I mean, they went pretty deep on their bench the last game, which is, I mean, they were getting blown out. But it was just interesting to kind of see the pieces that they do have. And even the pieces that are backing up the guys who are supposed to be starters aren't really that good. Um, Al Horford, dog, I get it. I get your role. Um, nah, not really that much anymore. I wish he didn't have all that money attached to his name. Shake Milton, I'm actually kind of happy that I'm seeing him just because, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, he's not a great player. He's a good player. Um, you know, you put him with these Tybal in your starting five, but he's he's just a worse Ben Simmons. Like, he does less on the court than Ben Simmons as far as scoring. Um, Jay Rich, I mean, hey, he had 18 last game. That's good. Um, keep doing your thing. I mean, MB, your stat line is great, but it's like, how, how do you, bro, how are you the best player, but you're also the problem, like, at the same time? Like, I don't get it. I don't I don't know how this works for Embiid. Um, I don't think he get, ends up getting traded, though, if we want to talk about that. I think Ben Simmons is, the, you know, the one that ends up getting traded. And I don't even know if that's good for the Sixers. I don't know if keeping either one of them is really good, but you can't go full tank again. And then Tobias Harris, dog, I mean, you just – you suck right now, bro. He's cashing the check. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he's going to go play with the Mavs or something like that soon. Like, I'm, I don't know. He's trying to get traded or something like that. But, hey, I, I guess whoever uh, trade package put together for Ben just adds Tobias Harris to that. He might, you know, he might ball for you. Um, Sixers, I mean, I kind of stretched it kind of talking about them. They suck. I just want to see Jason Tatum play uh, the uh, the Raptors in the next round. This is going to be a good matchup in the second round. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. The Celtics obviously losing Gordon Hayward was – tough and it's something it'll be tough to be uh, to recover from and he was kind of playing good in in the seeding games mm-hmm. averaging anywhere from 15 to 20 points per game so he was balling but unfortunately grade three ankle sprain and he looks like he's going to be out for a month so he could potentially be back if you're in the Eastern Conference Finals but the Celtics are looking like a well-oiled machine Tatum is playing like a superstar Jalen Brown is playing like not even he's not even a number two I, I hate putting that tag on him just because of how good uh, JT's playing, but Jalen, yeah, he's an all-star. Uh, Jalen has been balling out. They know exactly what they want to do. They know the team that they are. Brad Stevens, a top-five coach in this league, and that leads to what you're seeing on the court, where they're able to blow out um, a Sixers team, and I think it's going to continue because the Sixers have no energy and are ready to leave. Um, ready to leave the bubble. Us uh, another uh, another series where it's 2-0, and I think this one is ending pretty soon. Miami Heat, Indiana Pacers. We thought it would be maybe back and forth. Maybe it goes seven. But Miami has just been the better team throughout the season. I think it said Jimmy Butler has won his last nine games against Indiana. They have no stopping for them. Uh, Duncan Robinson was able to go off. Um, Jimmy Butler has gone off. Goran has gone off. And the Pacers are just so injured that it's like not even a fair matchup right now. So bonus isn't isn't there. Oladipo is not 100%. Even T.J. Warren. Um, he's been questionable for all the games, and he's not 100%. So it's unfair to, like, try to see what the teams exactly are when they're not at full strength. But Miami is looking like a force in these first two games. What are you expecting from um, the rest of this Miami-Indiana series? Yeah, so um, I'm expecting the Heat to kind of tune up for the next series. Um, the Pacers might sneak a game in there, and it might just be because the Heat are, you know, they aren't as hot as they usually are. From range, but um, this this damn team from the sh- from the arc, 
Oh my gosh, bro. They made fifty one percent of their threes last game. And I know that's not necessarily a marker of where they will be going forward. But they could damn well make forty five percent for the rest of like for the rest of the series and then going into the next series. They might plateau off at like a forty, but making forty percent for your team is amazing. That's that's how you win championships or at least go far in the playoffs. Um damn the heat, I mean, we thought about I mean, we kinda of talked about this going in though. They were built you know, they're not built to be competitive with a team like the Pacers, they're built to be, you know, competitive with a team like the Bucks. Like they're going to give the Bucks a run for their money if they see them. This is kind of what we're seeing out of them. I mean, Duncan Robinson is not going to get you twenty four every night, but he will get you five threes a night. Like, and, yep. and if all you if all you bringing him out there is just to be a sharpshooter, then fine. He's going to that's his role. I mean, Tyler Hero is pretty much the same thing. He has a little bit more volume in his shooting, but that's fine when you have defense attached to it. You let a guy like that shoot the – you know, just take shots because if you can play defense behind it and he gets hot, then what What happens next? I mean, Butler is always going to be good for a steady 20 and great defense. Like, this team is – you know, they're doing exactly what I feel like they should do, but it was kind of – it was kind of a good thing to talk about with the Pacers just because on paper, fully healthy – the Pacers are one of the one of the X Factor teams in the whole NBA as far as just talent. They have so much talent, but uh, like you said, they're a little nicked up, which is okay. Um, I'm not gonna say chop it up until next year, but it's okay. Like, don't stress your players out to the point where you're trying to kill them for a first round series. When if you see the Bucks next round, you're probably gonna get beat regardless. You know? Yeah. Just it, it's fine. I mean, it, it's kind of like a slap in the face because they played so hard in the bubble, and TJ Warren was going absolutely crazy you know, in those seeding games, but you see what you get out of your team. And this team will be back next year at, at full strength, I feel like. And then you kind of just tool it together to make a longer run. And I think next year, out of all years, is probably the year to do it. Um, They find a way just to continue to build from what they had this year and in the seeding games. And Pacers are one of those teams that we talk about again that just they are the future. Yeah, and I, I do believe that the Pacers will be there. Uh, for a couple of years, at least, uh, unless Victor Oladipo decides to walk, then that changes everything. But they just don't have the firepower to match up with the Heat right now. And the Heat are very well or machine. Jay Crowder's gotten into the rotation. Iggy's gotten into the rotation. So it's going to be a place where all the all the players on the Miami Heat are just trying to gear up and make sure they're they're at 100% for when mm-hmm. the Bucks come. Because, yeah, like you said, Pacers may be able to sneak a game, but I don't think they're going to be able to fight their way back to – make this a series um, for for the Miami Heat. Miami Heat have done a pretty good job. Moving on from these matchups, so we, we've gone through all the Eastern and the Western matchups. What is What has been your biggest surprise the first two games so far? Yo, so, and I was thinking about this earlier. I really, really think, like, my biggest surprise, honestly, like, really honestly, is – how well Luka has played. Now, it's a little bit crazy to me to say that at the same time because Luka Doncic is already a superstar. He's already an mm-hmm. MVP, like MVP building. He's already that guy. But I really think he has a realistic chance to get out of this first round. Like, he has a, a not more than a punches chance. I think he has command of the series right now because the Dallas Mavericks have just outmatched the Clippers. And I don't know what the Clippers can do because they're they've played full strength when they've looked weak. Like we've seen them look weak multiple times at full strength. And unless Kawhi really turns it on, I mean, even if Kawhi really turns it on, Paul George isn't there. Like 
no matter what the stats say, no matter what he does, he's just a liability out there in the playoffs. If Luka Doncic gets out to this first round, and you see a team like the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets in the semifinals, you might see the Mavs as a seven seed going to the conference finals. And I mean, at, at, like at this point, you know, in the games that we've seen, I don't feel like that's too like a much, uh, much of a crazy statement. So I think he's my biggest surprise because I expected this, you know, the stat wise out of him, but the, just the manner that he's playing and things like that, and the fact that he could get to the conference finals, I think he has a a decent chance if he handles his business like a true superstar. It's just outrageous to me, especially coming into year two. Like, that's – he's pulling off some kind of – if he does this, he's pulling off a run that I don't think we've ever seen before in basketball history. So, I'm kind of hoping that happens because it's good for the narratives. But uh, shout out to Luka, man. You, you made a believer out of me, like a true believer. Yeah, I, I totally agree Agree there with Luka. He's just been amazing in the playoffs for me personally. Even though the Magic loss – I don't see. I don't go to seek out Orlando Magic game. I didn't watch any of their seeding games, and I don't go and watch him in the regular season. So to just see how good Vucevic is, and like we don't really appreciate just how good of a player that yeah. he is. He's kind of stuck in Orlando where nobody's really watching him. It's just surprising to be like, wow, this is a very very talented player. He's not that he's um not that he's uh, a Jokic like or anything, mm-hmm. but he has similar characteristics to Jokic where. He can hit the three. He can um, he can handle the ball just a little bit. Not obviously not as good as a passer, but he can also work down low. And just his ability as a whole, if he goes to ends up like getting out of Orlando and going to a contender, a lot of people will be like, "Oh man, this guy's really a really really good player." So just seeing how good uh, Vucevic has been in the first two games, been something to be like, "Oh wow, I forgot." This is the reason why this this guy is definitely an all star mm-hmm. um, in in this league. But that's gonna do it for. Inside the bubble, uh, looking at the first two games. We'll be back after game four of the second uh, game. So each team plays one day, four, uh, four games each day. So we'll be back after the second four games to give you a recap of what has happened. I'm assuming by that time we'll have a couple of teams out of the playoffs um, and on their way back home. And then we'll continue breaking down for those series that are still going on. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.